0: Father, I ask you to open your people's heart up to receive all that you have for them, Father. And we just thank you, Lord, for bringing bringing us all up higher in you today. Getting to know you deeper and falling more in love with you today. And Satan, I bind you. I break your power. I take authority over this atmosphere. And I command it to come into obedience to the Holy Spirit. And I thank you and I honor you, Lord. Thank you for this awesome privilege to fellowship around your word. And talk about the bigness of my God. And I thank you, Lord, in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, good morning. Well, today I want to, um, share. I always feel like I ought to have a fireplace going and like a big lazy boy chair, <laughs> you know, not like the typical church thing. Cause that's how I always feel like I'm just around. I'm, I'm amongst friends talking about our great big God amen so so that's in my mind that's where I am I guess a fireplace and I'm in a lazy boy and you know y'all got y'all lattes and we're talking about how big God is and all that (laughs) amen (laughs) amen amen that's where I am I mean that's you know God is not formal he is so I mean he's holy and we give him honor and we give him reverential fear but he ain't stiff that's what I like about God. He ain't stiff. You know, I know when I was in Catholic school and, um, I went on this retreat and, um, they kept talking about Mother Superior, Mother Superior, you know, so I don't even know where we were, but I know the building we stayed in, it was cold and I do remember that. And then, uh, and they would always say well, when we walk through the hallways, they'd say, don't talk too loud. Mother Superior, you know, and all this, did you ever go on them? Did, did you ever go on a retreat where the building? And so, so I, oh, okay. Okay. So I, and so we were there like for a whole weekend and I asked one of the nuns, I said, and I was not trying to be disrespectful. I said, who is Mother Superior? And they, so they were like, oh, you know, like, and I was like, well, where is she? And then they said, I said, well, can we see her? You know, cause I'm like, where's she at you know (laughs) and so we had dinner that night and uh they said um well, guess who's joining us for dinner tonight? And everybody was looking around like, who is she? They said, Mother Superior, because somebody requested to see her. I don't think she's ever had a request for anybody to see her or know who she is. And so I was like, oh, okay. And this its so funny. This old lady walked in and she was kind of feeble. And I'm thinking, that's Mother Superior. That's who we bowing down and worshiping and don't talk too loud and this, that, and the other. And But anyway, God ain't like that. You know what? It, he's just not like that, and I just—I'm so thankful for that. He's not a form and a fashion, you know. He said, "If when you show up to reverence me, I'm gonna show up. If you make me the the, the person of honor, if I'm the guest of honor, I'm gonna be right there. You ain't got to go looking for me. I'm just so thankful. He's not like that. He is a—he's our Lord, he's our God, but he's our Father, and and it's just—it's just so different. You can't even man's. You, you don't, I don't even have the words to even talk about how good God is. But anyway, we're going, today we're going to talk about drawing near to God. And this is, uh I want you to ask yourself a question. How do you think God really feels about you? You know, think about that. How do you think God really feels about you? And I, and I like to, and sometimes I, uh you got to ask yourself that sometime when you're honest. And then when you think about it, it's like, well, Lord, you know what? I'm not, I'm not really sure how you feel about me, but I know that if I feel like if there's a little bit of insecurity or if there's a little disappointment, do you know that can be resolved through repentance and drawing near to God? And that's what I like about it. There, they, there does not have to be an eternal separation between us. Like my father was, <laughs> my father was a, a half Indian. And when he got mad he got mad. And when he got mad he stayed mad. (laughs) And my father was light skinned. So when he got mad he was about as red as that carpet down there. And it might last a few days and he may not talk to you for a few days. But that's just how that's just how Joseph Emmanuel Stone was. And I learned to love him. I knew he loved me, but when he was mad at me, he was mad at me. And, and you know, you just kind of tiptoe tip through the house. You keep your distance. You know, you don't do nothing to ruffle his feathers. In a few days, everything's okay. And then the house kind of settles down. You know, like Fred Flintstone, when he get mad and the roof would raise. So, you know, when the roof had fallen down and everything was normal. But I thank God if. If we have that kind of something like that with God, we can go to him and say, you know what, Lord? I don't know how you feel about me because I know how I feel about me. And I'm not as I don't even want to say not in a good place because that's so new age. You know, you you go to God naked and you say, you know what, Lord? I'm not sure how you feel about me. The Bible says you love me today. I don't love myself. i am talking about honest Christians. I did some things that maybe it's hard for me to forgive me. So, Lord, I'm not sure if you've forgiven me, but I want to draw closer to you. I want to say I'm sorry. Have mercy on me. I don't want no separation. I want to feel like I can still come into your throne room boldly because when you see me, you see the blood and you don't see my mistakes. That's the God I'm talking about. That's the God. That's what I love about God. He can't having a natural father is all that in a bag of chips. But if. The The love of the father, nothing compares. Nothing compares. And even if you didn't have a natural father growing up, he said, I'm a father to the fatherless. So he'll make sure you don't, like my mother said, you can't miss what you never had. But God comes in and he, he so much fulfills that void in your life that you don't even have nothing to compare it to. You have nothing to compare it to. So anyway, James 4, 7. And I think I'm going to read this. I'm going to read it out of the, um, the New Living Translation. And you know, Jesus' brother James. Well, they, they know James wrote the book. They knew, J- they know James wrote this book. Some say it was James, the brother of Jesus. I'm not really sure. I'm just telling you what's written. But it looks like the characteristics that Jesus' brother would have. James 4, 7. It says, so humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I love this. Come close to God and he'll come close to you. So I'm going to do verse 7. This is talking about feeling separated from God. So humble yourself before God. That means go before him naked. Don't go before him telling him all everything you did right. And then once you humble yourself before God, there's a boldness. And a, Once you humble yourself and once you repent, there's a boldness that will come over you where you can bind the devil and tell condemnation and guilt and fear to go from you and it will flee from you. You know, Robert Sleardon said it years ago and I'm starting to understand it more and more. He said the he said, the the pure, the the purer the vessel, the bolder, the vessel. And see, there's a boldness that you don't walk in when you don't have a purity in your heart. But if you feel like that, that's not there, then that's when you humble yourself and you go to the Lord and say, Lord, you know what? I done done everything wrong this week. I done talked too much. I done said too much I, or whatever, whatever, whatever. I walked out of Sam's club and on the bottom of my cart, I had a whole thing of $50 stakes." And I didn't feel like going back in because I was running late. (laughs) They they should have caught it. But (laughs) but it's their fault. (laughs) But you humble yourself and you go before the Lord. And I just can't. I mean, I know we're talking about drawing near to God. But I think that place of humility and that place of knowing who you are in Christ. Because, see, when you know who you are, you don't have to go to God with no facade. You know, sometimes we let people see what we want them to see about us. Like, oh, she's so sweet, and she sold this. I, this, I, I love Avis. I just got to. I have never forgotten this. This was a conference we had, and that's when Prophet Allen would come, and some of the intercessors would sit with the prophets with the tape recorder. And Dr. Allen Wilson was there, and so, um, so right before he, uh, and you know, Dr. Allen Wilson had a. He had a nice personality he was funny and so and then you know so anyway so when you sat down with prophet allen sometimes he might say something funny just to kind of get you to relax a little bit before he prophesied to you and then you know we as intercessors we would always sit with the prophets and we ran the tape recorder and we would pray in tongues softly and so i remember when i sat down i was a little nervous because you know this was new for us or me anyway and he said, "Oh, little darling, little darling, she's so sweet." And Ava said, "Did you make her mad?" <laughs> and I have never, I have never forgotten that. And God gave me a good word anyway. <laughs> And that's what I like about God, just being naked. (laughs) He knows who you are. He knows your name. He knows how many hairs on your head. He knows how many you done bought and added to your head. I mean, God is just, he is a, he's the real deal. And that's what I like about God. Like prophet, the prophet said, the pure the vessel, the bolder. And I think that's the key to our boldness. That's the key to our authority, being pure before God. You know, like I heard of, well, you know, there's that popular book that was out years ago, being naked and not ashamed. But that's, you know, just being transparent before God. That's how you draw near to him. That's how you, you know, that's how you know that you can bind the devil and he's bound. You know, that's how you can pray a prayer and know it will get answered. You know, it's a, it's a terrible thing to serve a God and pray and not know if he heard you. Not know if he's going to do it for you and not know if he loves you. Cause all my life with, with one of my family members, all, all of us cousins ever heard was those who know God going to be, uh, those who don't know God going to be beaten with many stripes and those who know God going to be beaten with a few. So however long you work, walk with God, you're going to be beat. And I heard that all my life. So I always thought that God was a big God up there with a whip. And as soon as darling messed up, he was ready to slap me with that whip. That's really how that was my impression of God. But once I got saved and got that relationship with him, I found out that's not his characteristic at all. But you got to draw nigh to him and you got to get. He's got to reveal that to you. Nobody can tell you that. Nobody can tell you that. So anyway, verse eight says, come close to God and God will come close to you. And then James goes on and says, wash your hands, you sinners. I love it. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is is divided between you and the world. And he's telling you how to draw near to God. But he's also telling you how to stay close to him. This is a whole instruction right here. Again, wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. In other words, he's saying, Wash your hands, you self-righteous folks. You like to walk in church, got your jewelry on, got your gold on, got your gold teeth, like you got it going on, and knowing that your heart is cold as a freezer outside. You know, you walk past somebody, don't don't care how they doing. So I, I love this. He says, "Wash your hands, you sinner. Purify that cold heart of yours, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world." Let there be tears for what you've done. Have a godly sorrow about your sin. Be real when you repent. Not so much you repent because you got caught, but repent because you know it displeased your father. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter. I mean, don't just, when somebody confronts you on something, don't just laugh about it and say, oh, well, no, that's, Don't take sin so lightly because it opens the door for the enemy to come in and rob and steal. Anyway, verse 10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. And that's what I like about this scripture. He says, humble yourself before the Lord. Repent. Draw nigh to God. He'll draw nigh to you. And then this is the Darlene translation. After you've done all that, break the devil's neck. And it will be broken. And as you walk softly before me, I will, I'll make your name great. You know, everybody, because I I used to, and I meant this, I always say, hey, you know what, I don't care. Like I would, um, you know, especially at the conferences, you meet the, I meet a lot of folks at the conferences. And then, you know, like Pastor Barb might say, You know, because if y'all see me at the conference, a lot of times doing praise and worship, I'm standing at the door. I'm waiting on somebody, whether it's the minister or somebody that Pastor Barb is expecting so that I can see them. So there's been some instances that somebody would get there and I say, oh, I'm sorry, you minister such and such. And they'll say yes. And I say, "Okay, well, I'm going to take you up. Pastor Barb has a seat for you. And they'd say, you are? I'm Nola. And they're waiting on the. I'm Nola. (laughs) I'm the secretary about to seat you. And see, this is one thing I told the devil a long time ago. I said, only way, only place I want my name known is in hell. I don't need nothing else. Cause I just need you to know that when you, you can't touch my family, the blood of Jesus protects me. I know who I am in Christ. I don't need a title to bind the devil cause there's a lot of folks that got titles, but can't bind the devil. So as long as my name is known in hell, I'm good and I mean it. And that's what I like about God. He says, "Humble yourselves before the Lord, and I'll lift you up in honor." And see, to me, it's an honor when God gives you His word, and He trusts you to use it. That's like the the our government. They take these men and women, and they train our our military. They train them how to use their equipment. And they trust them that when they go on foreign soil, that they're going to represent and defend our country and not turn on their brethren and and gun them down. And see, that's how God is with his word. He's entrusted me with his word to execute written judgments. It's not my word, it's his. But he trusts me. He's given me jurisdiction to speak his word out and watch it come to pass. Somehow his blood has counted me worthy. To pick up written judgments, to yield the sword of the spirit. That's an honor. A lot of folks don't get that. They think you gotta have a collar. I don't know where I'm going with all this. But this is, this is my heart. Y'all gonna hit a heart today. But this is, that's real honor. I mean, I, you know, the collar and all that and Dr. Bishop, Prophetess, all that. You know, you got, you got six titles before you can get to your name. Honor is God trusting you to know that he tells you to do something, you will do it. When you see a brother or a sister falling down, you, and you, and you know how to break the devil's power off of them, you do it. Do they have to know you did it? No. That's honor. Honor is being trusted in the secret place when can't nobody see you but God. That's honor. That's honor. It's so different than what the world calls honor. So I love it. He says, humble yourself before the Lord. That means do stuff that can't nobody see you doing other than me. And then I'll lift you up. We talk about drawing close to God, y'all. We ain't talking about being big and nobody's eyesight. We talk about drawing close to God. This is one of them heart things. Because see, this is what I feel like God is telling me. So I always share with y'all what I feel like. He's telling me, draw closer, Darlene. I got got so many things to tell you. I got so many things. These little things, you know, because we all could go down our list of check. He did this. Check. He did that. And then we can also write a list of disappointments. If we're honest, we got a grateful list. We've got a list of disappointments, and then we have a list of things that we're believing God for. See, the list of disappointments, that's what we done gave up on, and we feel like God let us down. So that's that's what we're going to talk about today, that list of disappointments. Because he didn't let us down. We just We just need to draw closer. He didn't let us down. What's some of the benefits of drawing near to God? Drawing near to God makes us steady and not double-minded. Not double-minded. Does he love me? Does he not? Yeah, he loves you. He loves you every day. He loves you when you feel lovable, and he loves you when you feel unlovable. He loves you. all. His love does not change. He's so good. And as you draw near to God, you know that his love hasn't changed. You see, that's something that nobody can convince you. I can say all day, oh, Brianna, Jesus loves you. I mean, I could do that all day long, but there's a revelation. There's something that she's going to have. That's a revelation. She's going to have to get a revelation of Christ. I can just sow the seed, but she has to get her own revelation of Christ. And as we draw near to God, we get our own revelation of Christ. He all, he loves us all, but we, this is what's so wonderful, but we all have our own relationship with him. And that's what it is. It's kind of mind blowing, but it's good. Like I love all my kids. But all my kids got a different place in my heart. All my kids, I I can trust them to do different things. And then I don't know what happens when you have grandkids. That's just like, oh my gosh. It's just like, wow, like I hear Becky say, Gabby got what? Or you did what for Gabby? And I hear that and it's kind of funny. But I was like, I don't know what's up with the grandkids, that that Gabby, and then and then um and then when I'll be like and I'll um like when Daniel get there and I hear Emery when they come there, she'll she calls me Nana. And she'll say, Nana in other words, I'm here and it's like I just melt. It's like, oh my Emery's here and <laughs> I'm melting, I'm melting. So it's like we all love our kids. But we, you know what I'm saying, but you can't, anybody say, oh, I love all my kids the same. No, you don't. No, you don't. Because every, you know, it's just, that's just, that's just human nature. And like I said, I don't get the grandkids thing. It's like this love, like it was a reserve tank. And it was like, where'd this come from? And it's just like, oh, you know, and it's (laughs) it's funny. Last Saturday, (laughs) well, you know, we celebrated everybody's birthday last week, big Howard, little Howard and Emory. And it was a long day. So I got, I got ready to go to bed. Gabby on my side of bed, and I'm like, for real? So I'm standing there looking. Howard sleep here. She on my side, and I gotta crawl in the middle. Now, if that had been one of the boys, or back, i have been like, get out of my bed, go to your room. <laughs> and then had my throw. <laughs> She had my covers. So I was like, I don't even believe this crap. So here I am. I'm crawling up the middle of the bed, going to bed. And I was thinking, this is only because this is Gabby. (laughs) And so that's what I love about God. He loves us. We all have a, he loves us all, but we all got that relationship with him. It's all special. It's all special. Drawing near to God keeps us confident. That what we are expecting will come to pass. You know, I I remember being, I was very insecure growing up. Very insecure. And the more, once I got born again and got to know the Lord, your confidence grows. And, you know, that's just like when I started driving school bus. And I remember I got trained to drive school bus. And uh, Miss Molly, she was my kid's uh, bus driver. And I used to watch Miss Molly. And, uh, cause I, I waited on the bus, you know, cause I could see her coming, but she would like go up the road to like a farm and pick up some kids. I see her swinging that big bus in there and pick them kids up and swing out. And it seemed like when you sit and still like that bus is flying, but you know, she only doing like 35, but when you out in the country and I would see them lights coming through the, you know, through the, through the trees. And I said, here comes Miss Smith. I called her Miss Molly. And I and I so once once I started training, I would always say, "Lord, don't let Miss Molly get sick, because I don't want to do her route because it's dog." And I asked her one day, I said, "Molly, how long have you been driving?" And she told me, she said, "But Nola, she said, just let the confidence grow; it'll come." She said, "The comp- and I never forgot those words. She said, "The confidence will come." And I would watch her just in the dark whiffing in the, I'm like, how you know where the driveway is? I mean, you know where the drive, I mean, cause when you drive a school bus in the country with no street lights and no curves and then the time change come, it's like the first day of school all over again. You, every bus is at least 10 minutes late. Cause every house you saw in the light, now you in the dark. Now you're looking for your landmark and you can't see it. And you, you thought you, were normally you do 35, you're doing 10. And but she said, and I see her take them buses and do her thing and whipping them farms and come on down. I'd be like, that girl is bad. And um, and she said, oh no, the confidence will come. It'll come. Just give yourself some time. And then it got to the point where. You know, when I started driving, and then I found myself telling drivers, now if you got to back into somebody's yard, as soon as you put your bus in reverse, your backup lights going to come on. And then you can look in your mirrors. You know, trust your mirrors cuz school bus drivers, they don't they don't drive looking ahead. We use our mirrors. And so I, so I would always tell them when I was training them, you know, if you got a driveway, you pull up so far, you pull your duels up past the driveway. When as soon as you put your bus in reverse, your backup lights is going to come on. You'll see that driveway to whip in there. So before, you know, I mean, I was whipping 84 passenger buses in and out of driveways and then teaching somebody else how to do it. But the confidence came and see, that's how it is with God. The longer you walk with him, there's a confidence that'll come. He heard me. He's gonna do this for me. He's my healer. I don't feel good today, but Lord, I gotta go to work. I'm just trusting you, Lord. When I when I get out this shower, I don't want to have this headache, or I don't want my nose running, and like this. And and nowadays, especially on my job, you can't even sneeze. They be ready. Can you go take a COVID test? And it's like, and this week I had some symptoms try to grab me. I was like, oh, but no. I was like, uh, uh-uh. uh. I ain't sick. I ain't going to be sick and I'm definitely not going to be sent to take no darn COVID test. And I, I, I went old school. I, and we had a, one of the drivers had her 25th, um, anniversary. I was off Monday. So I missed her anniversary, but they were, there was like, All these gallons of orange juice left in the refrigerator from her thing. I went old school. I got my water bottles. I filled them up with some vitamin C, the orange juice. I had my orange juice. I was on my word. I went home. I made myself go to bed early and get, cause I knew I just needed some sleep. I made myself get into bed. I had my healing schools going and you know, YouTube got a thing called a playlist. Girl, put that playlist on so the healing schools can preach all night. So when you get up, go to the bathroom by your stripes. I'm healed. You can hear the word while you sleep, when you're awake, when you go into the bathroom. Girl, please. I shut it down. You heard me because I was like, oh, we ain't playing this because, you know, you nowadays you only want to blow your nose at your job because it's <laughs> and don't sneeze. <laughs> but God, but I was confident he'd come through for me and he did. Another thing, I didn't say it, but I thought it. That's God is so good. I didn't say it, but I thought I was. Because in the back of my mind, I said, "I look, Lord, you know I got to preach Saturday. I need a voice." And so, and I I, like I didn't even have to pray about it, but He knew all that. Confidence, confidence. When you draw near to God, confidence builds. People that don't really know you might call it arrogance or pride. That's all right. You got a secret. Just, just enjoy your secret with your, with your king. You got a secret. You know, my, I, um, I'm just going to say it. My father-in-law would say sometimes that he was a self-made man. And, and I never, and I wasn't really saved when he would say it. Once I got saved, he definitely didn't say it, but, but I used to hear him say that a lot. But see, and once I got born again, and I knew the revelation behind God, it's like anything that anybody has or anything that they think they might have that somebody would envy or want to boast about, honey, it all came from God's hands. He gave you the strength to get up, go to school, get an education, a wisdom and a knowledge to pass them courses so you could get a degree. Then he opened the door with his favor for you to have a job. Ain't nobody self-made. I mean, that's what that's like a revelation that you got to get. But on his, I thank God on his deathbed, my my Howard, Howard and I were able to lead my father-in-law to the Lord before he passed away. Because, you know, my father-in-law passed early. Mr. Van was in his 60s when he died. But and and it was and it was sad because he felt like he told me one day, he said, I just feel like I've done so much. I don't know if God will forgive me. And it broke my heart. I don't. Even remember what I said, but we were upstairs in the bedroom and cause my father-in-law tried to kill himself. He tried to shoot himself and he thank God he missed. And Big Howard and I, not long after that, we had led him to the Lord. And uh, I, like I said, I don't remember what I said, but I let him know how much God loved him. And there was nothing that he could do that would separate him from the love of God. And a few days later, my father-in-law passed away and I know I'm going to see him in glory. And so see, so that's why just that walking with God gives you that confidence. Cause see, if you don't know God and when you need him and you're far away from him, there is that guilt and that not being steady, not being confident. Really, really forgive me. Does he know what I did then when it's all under the blood? And see, if you don't know God like that, you don't know like the, the big, it's sin is sin. It's all big. Sin is all big. Whether you cuss is big. You rob a bank is big. is big. But the blood is bigger. <laughs> but if you don't draw near to God and don't have that personal relationship, you don't know that. And so that's why I said, you know, to the world, confident Christians look prideful. But that's okay. You don't don't defend yourself. You just know you got a secret. I'm here because of the blood. And not, no other reason. The blood. <laughs> the closer we draw to God, fear and unbelief can't squeeze in. Just like if, if Lachey and Brianna were shoulder to shoulder, it'd be hard for the baby to try to squeeze in. They'd have to. They'd have to break and let her in. And see, that's how it is. When you draw close to God, unbelief can't squeeze in. It can't squeeze in. Hallelujah. <laughs> can't squeeze in. The more time we spend with God, the more time we want to spend with God. You know how you meet somebody for the first time and he smile and you smile. Oh, he smile, Then the next time he speak and you speak. Oh, my Lord. Then the next time y'all make eye contact. And then this next time it's like, OK, well, we don't smile. We don't say hi. We don't stare at each other. You know, maybe it'll go further. Maybe we can actually have a conversation. So it's like you kind of anticipate that next encounter. And see, that's how it is with God. The more time we spend with him, the more time we want to spend with him. Because we can't wait for that next encounter. What you going to tell me next? You know, because one day you might go. Well, for me, one day it might be. About me, him, and Becky. Okay, and then he gave me peace about that situation. Next time it might be, I'm talking to him about me, it's the it's conversation about me, him, and Joshua. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like everything that you take to God, you know, he gives you an answer or a remedy or a peace about it. And it's like, well dang, what are you going to tell me next? Cause I was worried about this and I gave him this and he handled this and I gave him this and he handled that. So the more time you spend with God, the more time you want to spend with God. Oh yes. Talking about drawing near to God. The more time we spend with the Lord, the more of His character and nature we embrace and we start to act like Him. Yep. Yeah, you start, we start to act like Him. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah the closer we draw to god the bolder we become to resist the devil and he will flee the closer we draw to god it keeps us out of unbelief you know why because when unbelief grips our heart we can take we run to the father it's like a bully unbelief is like a bully it's like you wake up you know you're believing for a miracle oh um Lachey, I'm sorry. I left my offering up there. Can you get after Miss Charlie? She's in the office. Just knock on the door, baby. Thank you. I'm sorry. Unbelief is like a bully. So let's say, for instance, you're believing for a miracle. And Lord, I just think you go to sleep at night. You had the whole day. You didn't listen to Pastor Barb. Had Norval speaking to the mountain. Miss Glory done told you, you want your healing? You better learn to forgive or you're going to die. So you don't went down your list. You don't forgave everybody. You don't spoke to the mountain. Pastor Barb don't preach you. your toes curled and you good. And then you wake up in the middle of the night. Got to go to the bathroom. The devil, you feel that? You're numb. You can't move that. Open your eye up. I bet you that one eye is blind. Unbelief is like a bully. But I'm going to tell you something. When that thing hits you, you run to God. Don't let fear grab you. Because fear is always going to be here to haunt us. It's a shadow. It's a bully. It's going to be always here. But the thing about it is he's given us power and authority over all the works of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means harm us. So we will not let unbelief and fear bully us. You run to your big brother, which is Jesus. And see, his blood covers us. It covers us. The devil ain't running from me. He, he see the blood. He don't even see me. He see the blood. And when he hears God's word being executed, just like, uh, I love that, uh, when uh, the Lord was talking to Ezekiel and he told him to prophesy and the, in the Bible system, when Ezekiel started prophesying, the bones started rattling. See, if we could just understand that. Do you know that happens every time we execute God's written word? By Jesus stripes, I am healed. Every time we put God's word in a situation, it rattles because God's word, it thunders. We may not can hear it with our natural eye, but hell healed. Hell hears it. Hell hears it. Hell hears it. So that's why it's so important to draw near to God. His—we're wrapped in His feathers. We're hidden in the cleft of the rock, but we can yell out, "By Jesus' stripes, I'm healed," and get back in the cleft of the rock. He can't see you. I'm strong in the Lord and the power of His might. And the devil says, "Who said that?" And we're hidden in the cleft of the rock. And then when we feel that boldness and that confidence, we can walk out and say, "I said that." That's when you know who you are in Christ. But until then, execute God's word. I don't care if you don't believe it. Say it anyway. And keep saying it long enough till you believe it. And know that God has you. He got your back. He's with you. As a mighty, terrible one. If I was picking on somebody and they'd tell me, I got a mighty and a terrible brother, you better back down. Trust me, I would. (laughs) And God is with us as a mighty, terrible one. We got somebody that will—he well, he already did it. He destroyed hell for us. He—he he destroyed the grave. He annihilated sickness and disease. I mean, every every area where the enemy can harass us, God has already dealt with it. He's just. Everything he does, he does it well. I just don't have nothing else to say. (laughs) The closer we draw to God, okay, I said that it keeps us out of unbelief. So now let's go to Psalms 84 and I'm going to read that. Psalms 84. I like talking about intimacy with Jesus. Because I always felt like. He's the only one that I could talk to. And I could trust him not to tell nobody. I'm just going to be real. (laughs) I said, wow, I could tell him anything. And he won't throw it back up in my face and he won't blackmail me with it. And that's just, that was, that was my revelation of God. You know, when I got saved, I still remember asking him, Lord, if you're real, prove it to me. Because I mean, you know, I had been, uh, like I said, my family was not just Baptists; they were primitive Baptists. Then I was in the Catholic school. And so I didn't know. I didn't know what, I didn't know what was real. I'm like, do I keep playing to Mary? You know, do, do I pay, pray to this patron saint, you know, or do I do all, do I do the father, the son and the Holy Spirit and Mary, or do I just get the rosary? And I would get that rosary. And I take the first bead and I pray to hail Mary. And then I go to the second bead and I pray to our father. And then you got all the mother beads. And I'd be like, what I do next? <laughs> And that was my life. What's next? So when I got God, I was like, Lord, if you real prove it to me, let me know I got the right, the, the, the right one baby. Let me know I got the real thing. And he did. See, I was drawing nigh to God then and didn't even know it. Verse one and two says, okay, yeah, oh yeah, Psalms 84. Verse one and two, I'm going to read that first. It says, how lovely, how lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. And that's what I love. The psalmist said, everything in me cries out for me, for for you, Lord. I love it. Crying out and longing for the presence of the Lord produces. Let's jump down to verse 11 and 12. What we talked about today. When you cry out to God, that's when you get 11 and 12. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. I'll protect you. I'll give you the sunshine. I'll protect you. The Lord will give you grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So as you cry out to God or draw near to him, let everything that's within you worship him and honor him and serve you. He says nothing will be withheld. Absolutely nothing. This is how you get unshakable faith in God. I had did a, um, uh, encouragement for my family and I had talked about, uh, we all have those people in our lives where we feel like when something goes wrong, we can call them. And I said, we all got them people in our lives. We can call them and you feel like when you pray with them, even the earth shake because you know that that prayer is going to get answered that unshakable faith and see that's the kind of faith that god wants us all to have knowing that we serve a faithful god knowing him in that dimension it's i mean so many different dimensions to god because it's like i can stand up here all day and tell you about drawing close to god and the intimacy and the relationship with i have and then miss pat i can give her the microphone and then she could blow your mind Of all the things he's done for her. And and I think about when we were talking about your mother and all the miracles. And so we could all pass the mic around. We could all be in tears because it's like, wow, God did that for you. Wow, I never thought to pray like that. Or I never thought to do that. I mean, he is just so good. He's just so deep. You know what I mean? Just so deep. And and we can't exhaust his love. That's why we got to draw to him. Don't run away. When we mess up, don't run away. Don't run away. It was a scripture. Where is that scripture? Um, It's Hebrews 8. I just, I wrote it down because I didn't want to forget to say it. Hebrews 8 says, and I will forgive their wickedness. And I will never again remember their sin. And that's how you draw near to God. You go to him when you feel good, when you go to him when you're feeling bad. And I mean about yourself. (laughs) You go to him when you just go to him, period. That's how you draw near to God. When I first got saved and, you know, growing up Catholic, confession is a big thing. But, I mean, confession is good. We need to confess our sin. That's part of our Damascus Road experience, turning our back on who we used to be, being a new creature. But I'll never forget, and I can see it today, I was saved, but I still felt guilty. I'll never forget, I took a pen and a piece of paper, everything I felt guilty about, I wrote it down. Why you write it down? Because I was too embarrassed to say it out loud. But I knew after I wrote it down, I was forgiven. And I balled it up and I threw it away. And I knew that I knew that I knew I was forgiven. And that was so freeing. It was so freeing. I was too, nobody in the room. I'm in my bedroom. And I'm too embarrassed to confess my sin. So I wrote it down. And God still forgave me. He's good. It's just, uh, amen. Yes. So good. The closer we draw to God, it sharpens our love and it teaches how to forgive ourselves and others. Intimacy with Jesus, it softens us so that we're not so quick to criticize. But we have the ability to walk in love and compassion. We really do. I I can't explain it, but I know something about the love of God that softens us. And we're not so quick to have that eye of judgment. You know, because when you walk with God and when you're close to Him and you see a brother or a sister making a mistake or you hear something, when you write in your heart, you'll say, shoot, I remember when I was there. Or I remember when I did that. Or I remember I was in a situation like that and I didn't handle it right either. But God help me out. So you may not have that opportunity to open that. That door may not be open for you to say something. But you can pray for them. You can pray for them. Because I learned that the closer you get to God, you're not so quick to criticize. Because see, you're, you're, you're naked and you're unashamed. And it's like, dang, Lord, I did that. I see myself in her. Or I see myself in him. Lord, I know what you did for me. Speak to them. Put somebody, my, my prayer is, um, especially for my boys, cause you know, they're older now. They feel like they grown. So my, thing, they feel like it, except for when they need a bill paid and they can't pay that bill. But anyway, <laughs> but my, my prayer is, Lord, just give them a voice of wisdom. Open the door for somebody to talk to them. And you know, now I'll never, and this is such a, now I know I, I know I said it, I'll never forget, but, I'm thankful my, my adult life was being a new Christian, being a new wife was being a new Christian, being a new mom. I was a new Christian. So I was learning a lot. It seemed like it, it it was like everything was being heralded to me at one time, but I'm thankful that I didn't have not to, I'm not thankful that my marriage fell apart, but I'm thankful when the Lord put my marriage back together, Jesus put it back together. And then when I did become a mom, I was a saved mom. So, you know, so with all these, I'll never forget because these are like turning points in my life. But I remember when uh, the boys were, you know, in school and Big Howard was on the road a lot being a truck driver. And I remember Pastor Barb, she said, just always train your kids to be respectful, to honor authority. And God will always put men in their life that will be a mentor to them. Never forgot that. And, I, and that, I've seen it. Two weeks ago, uh, Joshua, they played Ashland University. His ninth grade basketball coach was there. He said, I wouldn't have missed this for the world. I wouldn't have missed this for the world. Him and his son came. His son used to idolize Joshua. And, uh, and, and that mutual respect. I saw one of the, uh, Coaches to this morning, I had to go through New London. So I stopped at Randy and Karen's at the subway because I knew their bathroom was clean. And so, so I walked in and when I walked in there, it's like, there's Nola. And they were like, uh, and uh, they were like, uh, yeah, coach was just showing us pictures of Dan. He was with, them. I said, that was Joshua. And he said, oh yeah, 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 Josh, 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 Josh. And so coach was, has been telling all of, you know, coaches in new, I got to see Josh. I went to his game. And see, that's an honor because Pastor Barb said, teach your voice to respect authority, to have an ear to hear. Because I'm going to tell y'all something. These parents, y'all see, the coach cussed out my son. He probably did. (laughs) And he probably needed it. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) But they respected their coaches. Now, do I ever think my kids were disrespected? No. But talk to like a father, yes. And see, I and when I when when uh, Dan and Josh drove uh, when they played football, I drove their trips. And if they lost, it was quiet on that bus. If somebody said something, the coach tore into him. He said, "Don't you talk? Don't you make a sound? You better sit here and figure out everything y'all did wrong. Y'all better not say one word on this bus." And I remember Coach Voorhees in particular. He was gonna be um, off, and so the uh, assistant coach was gonna take the voice of that game. And I remember driving the bus and coach before. He said, "I'm not gonna be here next week. Y'all better win. You better not disrespect this coach. And if you do, it's gonna be hell to pay the captain." And I and I used to see them coaches get on them boys, get in their face. What are you doing? And see, but they they respected that authority and i remember when joshua went to urbana when he went to college he called me one day he said Ma, and you know josh is on a football scholarship this team sucks they don't know nothing and i told him the same thing i told him when he went to high school and, he, and we had the same conversation i said so change it shine do something so why did he call coach mitchell his high school coach Football coach called coach Mitchell crying, Joshua, coach, I think I'm going to quit the football team because they suck. We don't, we, we losing and blah, blah. He's talking about the coaches and he, we losing and da, 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 da. And coach Mitchell said, Joshua, you better not quit football. I don't care if you lose all four years. You playing at that school. That school open the door for you to go there. You're there to get an education. You better shut your mouth and play football. That came from his coach. That didn't come from me and his daddy. Y'all see Joshua graduated, right? Okay. Okay. (laughs) And see, I just thankful, you know, just, just that, I don't even, God is just, I don't even know. He just got it going on. (laughs) he be having everything worked out. But that drawing near to God. He works in the details. He works in the details. Drawing near to God. You know, you can be the richest. I feel like I'm the richest mom. Why? Is my bank account fat? No. Do I live in a mansion? No. Do I drive a Rolls Royce? No. What's your definition of rich? Having the ear to God. Knowing that I can cry out. I can knock on that door and it unlocks out of all the prophecies I ever got from prophet Alan Wilson. And I got a lot cause I loved prophet Alan. I don't yeah, you, Yeah. Yeah. Out of all the prophecies I got from him, you know what stands out? He told me, he said, when you go to God, he said, never forget this. When you go to God, the welcome mat is always out for you, darling. I've never forgotten that. Every time I wanted to feel like God, did you hear me? Why isn't anything moving? I could hear His voice. The welcome mat is out for you, and that's the welcome mat is out for you, Miss Regina and Miss Donna, and all of us. Every time we go to God, the welcome mat is out. The door is the door ain't even unlocked. It's open. It's open. The door is open because you know what? Jesus is the door. He is the door. So that's what I love about God. That's why I say I'm rich. Because the door is open to me. And ain't no devil in hell big enough to close it. That's why I feel like I'm rich. Ain't got nothing to do with a bank account. Ain't got nothing to do with the price tag on my clothes. Because if you don't know, I'm going to tell you, I love to shop at Goodwill. <laughs> I'm just going to let you know. Even to my coworkers, one of my coworkers, I was busy doing something, and it was like, and I heard the 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 one the drivers calling, and she was like, "Transit One to Nola," and I'm thinking, why she calling me? I'm not the only one on the radio. She could call anybody else, and I was like, "Control, go ahead." It's a huge yard sale on Logan and <laughs> and South Main Street. And I was like, "What?" <laughs> and i was like okay girl but yeah if i'm the richest woman in the world i like yard sales i like goodwill and i like secondhand clothes hey somebody already done paid the big ticket why should i pay it <laughs> freeze even better but yeah when you draw near to god you're the richest man or woman on the earth because he has an ear for you Psalms 18. I love it. You know, it talks about, I cried out to my God and he heard me. Some translation says my voice came up before him. I was his private. I think the messenger says I was his private audience. Can you imagine? Private audience. The master of the universe, the God, the creator. When you cry out to him, we have a private audience with him. That's priceless. That is priceless priceless you know when you were in a class if you a teacher you're in a classroom you ask a question and everybody trying to talk you say wait shh, you go ahead when we talk to God think about it he's up in heaven he got a million requests coming up more than a million that's all our minds can understand but when we cry out we got a private audience that's the benefit of drawing near to God he knows your voice he knows Brianna's voice If we in a room praying, he knows Brianna's voice. He knows my voice. He knows Alicia's. He's a good God. Good God. Mm -hmm -hmm. How to draw near to God. Let's go to Psalms 51. Okay, I'm going to read it from my phone. I think I liked it from the message translation. I like talking about intimacy with God. And I, I like it because it convicts me to know that I need to do more. That's the biggest thing I know that I, you know, need to do more. Psalms 51, and I'm going to read it from the, yeah, I want to do it from the message. Pretty sure this is a Psalm, yes, a Psalm of David. And this is what I love about David. He, he's the only one that I have ever read. They said he was a, he had a a man after God's own heart. No one else is described like that. But yet, he had shortcomings, he had faults, and he messed up. But his thing is, he didn't try to cover it up, did he? Uh, psalm fifty-one is a psalm of David after he was confronted by the prophet Nathan about his affair with Bathsheba. See, that would have been a time to run away from God. But he came clean before God. That's a big man right there. That's a big man. Something on the inside of David knew that he could be honest with God and know that God wouldn't throw him out or strip the kingdom from him. It's just, that's a revelation that we all need to get. How do I go that deep? Cause you know, we, we, you know, our little stuff that we do bugs us for a couple days, couple hours. We ain't done this. We didn't set somebody up for murder. We've never been in a situation like that. But even with that, David knew that there's a place in God's heart. There's a special place that I know as long as I'm honest and he knows that I won't do it again. And I'm truly, I'm truly sorry for what I did. I'm forgiven. He's going to continue to love me. Everything he promised me, he's not going to take it back. There's just, whew, Okay. Psalm 51, the message, it says, and and it says, generous in love, God gives grace, huge in mercy, wipe out my bad, re- wipe out my bad record, scrub away my guilt, that's what I like about the message, he goes, he just break it down for you, scrub away my guilt, soak out my sins in your laundry, hallelujah. And this is what the Lord showed me when when David was talking about scrub out my guilt. Soak out my sin in your laundry. See, that laundry detergent is the blood of Jesus. <laughs> That's how we can cast it. That's how we can give it to him. I know how bad I've been. My sins are staring at me. In other words, David is saying, I'm not in denial, Lord. I know I messed up. You're the one that I really violated. You're the one I violated. And you've seen it all, seen the full extent of my evil. You have all the facts before you and whatever you decide about me is fair. I've been out of step with you for a long time because see David's mess up with Bathsheba. That wasn't just a product of one day. David had been backslidden in his heart for a long time. That was just a product of it. Because first of all, when he got with Bathsheba, the Bible says it was a time of where the men went out for war. Why was you at the palace? Why wasn't you with your men? So he's been backsliding in his heart for a long time, full of himself. I'm David. I'm the king. I got it going on. They have written songs about me. Did you hear them? David has killed his thousands, uh, saw thousands, David tens of thousands. That's, y'all know my song? So David had been backslidden in his heart for a long time. He says, whatever you decide about me is fair. I've been out of step with you for a long time. In the wrong since I was, since before I was born. What, what you're after is truth from the inside out. Enter me and conceive, a. enter me, then conceive a new true life. Soak me in your laundry. And the Lord was letting me know that laundry. Soak me in your blood and I will come out clean. Scrub me and I'll have a snow white life. (laughs) I love it. Tune me into foot tapping songs. Set these once broken bones to dancing. You know, David was the sweet psalmist of, of uh Israel. And I love it when the message says, tune me. Because he's he been out of tune with God. And like a good instrument, you got to take them in and you got to get them tuned up. And so David was saying, Lord, tune me up. I want to return to that place of worship in that secret place to you. I want my worship to come up before you as a, a sweet saver. I want to be in tune with your spirit. I love it. Tune me into foot-tapping songs. Set these once broken bones to dancing. Don't look too close for blemishes. Because you're going to see them. That's what I love it about us. We're the righteousness of God in Christ. Blemishes and all. Give me a clean bill of health, God. Make a fresh start in me. Shape a Genesis week from the chaos of my life. So let's start all over, Lord. Don't throw me away with the trash. Isn't that good? Don't throw me away with the trash or fail to breathe holiness into me. Bring me back from the gray exile. Put a fresh wind in my sails. Hallelujah. Give me a job teaching rebels your ways. Give me, in other words, Lord, give me a job where when I see other men going in the, in the wrong direction, I can say, hey, don't do that. I did that. And the outcome wasn't good. Give me a job teaching rebels your ways. And see, that's what I talked about when I said when you draw near to God, you don't have that eye of criticism any longer. You have that eye of love and compassion. You want to help instead of jump in the pool of gossip and judging because you've been there as you draw near to God. And that's what I like about that's what I like about David in this translation. Give me a job teaching rebels your ways so the lost can find their way home. Yes. Commute my death sentence, God, my salvation, God, and I'll sing anthems to your life-giving ways. Unbutton my lips, dear God. Let loose with your praise. Because, see, I'm going to tell you something. When you are full of guilt and condemnation and shame, you don't say much for God. You don't. And that's what I and see when you draw near to God, see all that guilt and condemnation, all them weights and anchors they fall off. That's that's that going back to that the purer the vessel, the bolder the vessel. See when you don't feel feel pure on the inside, you're not gonna say much. Cause see as soon as you open your mouth the devil be like, What you say? Now you know you're the biggest sinner, you a liar. You know what you did? All that all that point. I told you he's a bully. And see, as you draw near to God and and know that there is nothing between you and the Father and can't nothing squeeze in there, you're bolder. And you can look and you can agree with your adversary. Yeah, I messed up. I stole that. I was an adulterer. Yeah, I did. I did all that. And devil, I did some stuff that you don't know about, but it's under the blood. And if you look, and you can't even get to the blood to look for it because it's annihilated. God don't remember it no more. When he sees me, he don't see mistakes. He sees his blood. Hallelujah. Unbutton my lips, dear God. I'll let loose with your praise. That's a good soul winner. That's a good witness for Christ. You got to draw near to God to be able to have that boldness to declare God's righteousness. You got to draw near to God to be able to tell somebody whose life is upside down that God can make it right. He can make the crooked places straight and the rough places smooth. Verse 16 and 17 is going through the motions doesn't please you. In other words, being religious, God don't please you. A flawless performance is nothing to you. That's the do's and the don't. Oh, I don't do this. I don't do th- I don't cuss. I don't smoke. I don't wear my dresses above my knees. You know, I'll- He said, a flawless performance is nothing to you. I learned God worship when my pride was shattered, heart shattered, lives ready for love. Don't for a moment escape God's notice. God don't miss nothing. It says, make Zion the place you delight in. Repair Jerusalem's broken down walls. Then you'll get real worship from us. Acts of worship, small and large, including all the bulls that have heaved unto your altar. So you read Psalms 51 in your whatever, but I liked it in the, in the message because it was just so plain. He came to God. He was just like, this is, this is, you already know the truth. I have messed up. I'm ashamed. I'm not bold. I haven't been a leader to the, my men. I'm even embarrassed to give them instruction because I feel like such a failure. My lips have been buttoned. My praise has been cold. And he came to God and he said, but just do a miracle in me. I'm sorry, Lord. Don't cast me away. Tune me up on the inside so my praise can be pure. Unbutton my lips so I I can preach righteousness to my men. God is such a good God. See, as we draw near to God, he takes care of all that. He takes care of all that. Psalms 27. I'm going to read verses 7 and 8. It says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, Seek my face. My heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. And that's Psalms 27. Seek God's wisdom and stay out of presumptuous sin. I never really knew what presumptuous sin was, <laughs> but I found out that presumptuous sin, that's the sin you do when you feel like you can get away with it. You know it's wrong. And I was like, ooh, that's kind of dangerous. But then I was like, ooh, I kind of do that all the time. (laughs) I mean, I'm just being honest. Seek God's face. That's how you draw near to God. Seek him. I don't care if it's little. I don't care if it's big. Seek him. Seek him. Stay out of presumptuous sin. Ask the Lord to show you what that is. We all got our little, we, as as I heard a preacher say, hey, we all got our jump. (laughs) But he loves us anyhow. He loves us anyhow. Psalms uh, 19 verse 13. I wrote it down. And this is, I wrote the New Living Translation down. It says, keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I'll be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. Because see, when you, st- when you step into the snare of the fowler, And you find yourself caught because of something you did. The devil loves that. We're full of guilt and shame and condemnation. And then we're shrinking back. Don't want to say nothing. Don't want to witness. Don't want to pray for nobody. Don't want to show up. But God, run to him. Don't run away from him. Run to him. Don't let guilt and shame control you. Proverbs 3. I'm almost done. I think how much, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm almost, on I have who? Oh, okay. Ah, uh, okay. Now uh, was, okay. Okay. Let me see. I might, uh, well, let me say this. Drawing near to God keeps us out of condemnation. I do know that it keeps us out of condemnation. Proverbs 3, 1 through 10. We'll do that when i was writing my notes i said well lord looks like i got a, probably about a half an hour worth of stuff to say so we'll just roll with it <laughs> proverbs 3 verses 1 2 through 10 it says my son do not forget my law but let your heart keep my commands we're talking about draw near to god for length of days and long life and peace, they will add to you. Now that's three different things. He said, I'm going to give you length of days. What that mean? Time is going to be a blessing to you. You're going to get a lot done, a little bit of time. Long life. You're going to live long. The number of your days will be fulfilled. You ain't going to die early. And peace, I'll add to you. The things that everybody else want to blow their head out, shoot themselves over, you're going to have peace about it because you're going to know your great big God can handle it. So that's a whole lot in that one verse. Verse three says, let not mercy and truth, let not mercy and truth forsake you, bind them around your neck, write them on the tablets of your heart and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. See, when you draw near to God, you know it's all about God and none of you. All you got to do, your biggest thing is just to yield to God and to obey him. And when you stumble and fall, you get up, dust the, the, wipe your knees off, ask for mercy and forgiveness and start back running. In all your ways, acknowledge him and I will direct your path. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't be full of arrogance when I start blessing you. and You know, you get the house, the car, and your your clothes get a little nicer. They don't say Walmart. They start saying sacks. I'm just using it as an example. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It'll be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. And then it goes on to say, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. As we learn to draw near to God, these are some of the benefits. Long life, length of days and time will be a blessing to us. Number two, He will we will walk in God's favor and high esteem with God and man. Number three, God will give us wisdom and instruction on every decision small and great is this the job should i take this job is this job going to close in five years or is this my retirement job he'll give you all that kind of wisdom you know i i know brother hagan i'm gonna say it real quick i I, i've heard brother hagan say it and we all all have heard him say it too but then i heard Norval say it again nobody ever died in brother hagan's family that he didn't know about it ahead of time god always told him he always prepared him Brother Hagin knew who to go to to get them to repent. And he had a miracle for them. But then he also knew those in his family who was going to go on to glory. Nothing ever took him off guard because why he walked closely with God and God told him. And that's that's an intimate relationship. But Norval Hayes also says he don't know a man that prayed in tongues more than Brother Hagin. And if you read his books, especially when he was uh in that pastor and he would go to the parsonage and he said he'd go and he'd pray for hours before the meeting. And sometime the Lord would show him what was going to happen in that meeting. He knew who who he was going to pray for. He knew who who he was going to lay hands on intimacy. He knew what was going to come through that door. God already prepared him intimacy, intimacy, Drawing near to God will be health to our flesh and strength to our bones. Supernatural strength. As we draw near to God, he will, we will have faith and confidence to be a giver and a sower, always expecting a bountiful harvest. And so I got some other things, but I, I'll just, uh, maybe there will be a part two. Who knows? There is no substitute for intimacy with Jesus. There is no substitute. So I, I know I don't have much time, but this is one thing that, um, the Lord showed me about drawing near to Him. I might have to put the mic down, Shannon. But this is what the Lord showed me. He said, the love of God is so powerful; it's like a magnet. The closer we get to God, yeah. that's just how God's love is. It's like a magnet. That's why nothing can get in there. That's why I use the illustration with Lachey and her mom. If they hugged up and squeezed up together, the baby can't squeeze in. They got to separate. And see, that's how the love of God is. As we draw close to him, it's there's a suction. Nothing can penetrate that. Nothing can break that. That's like that hedge. When you draw near to God, there's a supernatural hedge. Nothing can penetrate it. Death, sickness, disease, divorce, strife. It's annihilated. So there is no substitute for intimacy with Jesus. Draw near to God, the closer you get to him, the closer he gets to you. It's a magnet. It's a pull, a supernatural pull that can't be broken. I ain't never seen nobody get separated from the love of God, ever. So draw near to God. It ain't, that's a, it's a big thing. It's a big thing. We serve a big God. Nobody like him. Nobody can outdo him. Hallelujah. Well, Father, we honor you. Ha, shataramosiki da lama sunday. Hida da voshandara da koroboshandara da korobosha karamasanday. Ho reveshandara da korobosi. Lord, we love you and we honor you. We lift you up. We magnify your holy name. Lord, we just magnify you. We love you, Lord, with all of our heart, soul, our mind, and our strength. Lord, we thank you for taking us out of the muck and the mire, saving us, giving us a new name, a new strength, and a new outlook on life. Lord, we thank you that you've given us your word to execute. You trust us with your word. You trust us to use your word skillfully and with wisdom. And we honor you for that, Lord. And, Lord, I just ask you to bless your people, Father. Lord, I thank you for opportunity to know you better, to see another side of you, to know more about your love and your characteristic, and just to know everything that you've done for us. And not everything, Lord, but just a glimpse of your glory. We thank you that we saw a glimpse of your glory today. And we honor you, Jesus. And, Lord, I just pray that these coming days that you will show yourself strong on everybody's behalf in this room. Everything that looks impossible, Father, I thank you for making it attainable, Lord. There's nothing impossible with you. We honor you. We lift you up. And we bless you. And we love you, God. We kiss your nail-scarred feet. Lord, we bow down in our hearts before you. And we just say thank you, Lord. You are the only one that's worthy of all praise and honor and adoration. Oh, we honor you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's make our declaration. I don't have Rona and she don't have me. I can't get Rona and she can't get me. And I thank you, Lord, that by your stripes, we are healed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah.